Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. It's required something from you this morning. I wept this morning so that you could stop with the I mission. It's start with the Great Commission. God will take the scales of your eyes, seeing that there is a church in suffering. The persecuted church is not another church. It's part of the body of Christ that is suffering. Can I have the first, first slide? All right, that's what I just said. What, what, what uh, second one? We strengthen equip the body of Christ living under or facing restriction or persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ and to encourage their involvement in world evangelism. This morning, world evangelism. That's a nice idea. It will cost you your life. It will cost you your life. World evangelism. Why do we encourage the persecuted church's involvement in world evangelism? Why the persecuted church? Because they are already doing it. They are witnessing about Jesus in the most hostile places on the face of this earth. Three years back, we were walking in Iraq. Who, know, who knows what happened in Iraq? 2014. Who knows what happened? ISIS, the Islamic State of Syria and Iraq, the terrorists, they came into the, in the town of Mosul. Mosul is the biblical town of Nineveh, where Jonah was. They bombed the grave of Jonah. And they said, uh, they, they said to the Christians, they said, you have 24 hours to leave this place. Or you need to convert to Islam. Or you will be beheaded. You didn't hear about that? We watched the news? Or they, you will be beheaded or pay an Islamic tax. You know what happened? 100 to 200,000 Christians fled in 24 hours. How will that look in Namibia? Every, every, everyone is fleeing to Okanya. You have 24 hours. What do you take with you? All right? I know some will take the TV. Okay, you need a generator or solar panel or something. What will you take in 24 hours when you know terrorists is behind you just because you follow Jesus? What if your faith ever costed you in Namibia? You want to go to the nations? What does your faith cost you here? You want to go to, to the nations? Where someone can put a gun against your head. We were sitting in front of a young boy, Iraqi boy, telling his story. He said they wanted to flee, but they were surrounded. 16 years old, Iraqi boy. And they put a pistol against his head. While he's saying that, he's traumatized. And Isis just told him, deny your faith. Or we will shoot you. 
He said, I refuse. 16 years old. 16 years old. I met another pastor, a Chinese pastor, 70 years old. He said, he has been 20 years in prison. Some of you are 20 years old here. 20 years in prison just because he's a pastor. We cannot let him suffer alone. And that's what we start. I have a, how do we do that? I did all those ropes last night. My hands are painting a bit. See the rope? There's a guy with the name William Carey, missionary to India. Before he went into India, he said this, I will go down into India if you will hold the rope. Some of you will go, but some of you need to hold the rope. Because without, without supporting these persecuted Christians, how can they effectively witness? This place is full of Bibles. Uh, thank you so much. Maybe you don't even know this, but this church gave Bibles to the persecuted church. They need the support. Second slide. What do we need, need as a church to start holding the rope? Okay, who knows Acts 1 verse 8. When the Holy Spirit comes over you, you will receive power. Power to be thy witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Who knows what stands in Acts 8 verse 1. Let us read. Acts 8 verse 1. Quickly read that it says, Now Saul, Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging of men and women, committing them to prison. It's happening. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. The scripture is happening at this moment. Christians being scattered because they follow Jesus Christ. But many times in Acts 1 verse 8, we forget about persecuted believers that is already witnessing. So Acts 8 verse 1 must challenge us this today, this morning. It needs to challenge our individualistic system needs to be shaken where the commission your I mission no I will go wherever I want to I was preaching in Hong Kong 
Acts 1 verse 8. And a woman started weeping at the back. She ran forward. She said, the Lord just told me I need to be a missionary in Afghanistan. There's no church above the ground in Afghanistan. A few years back, our contacts have been martyred in Afghanistan. What if God calls you there today? Will you say, no, Lord. Send me to Mauritius. We need to, it's not a different church, the persecuted church. It's the same body that is in suffering. If one part of the body suffers, we all do suffer. Can I quickly have a volunteer, man? We're almost in there. All right. You all know him? Okay, time is up. Just this last one. If, if someone beat him with a hammer, what will happen to his body? It will hurt. There's pain. Okay? When I hit him on his head, okay, maybe he will die, but we will resurrect him. Okay? But when I hit him with a hammer on his arm, where will his other hand go? To the pain. That's what we as a church need to do, also with persecuted believers to support them. To go where the pain is. We are part in the Great Commission. That's why we support persecuted believers. After the service, I will be there at the table. If you want to know more about supporting the persecuted church, ways to get involved. Thank you so much. So as a church, we've, we've decided to become a part of what God is doing in terms of sending, sending Bibles. So this morning as you are giving your offering, everything that we, we, we give and we commit, we take a part of that and we're sending it together with the missions that we're going to start sending around the world. Amen? It's something that we'll have to start doing. Amen? The gospel is not only for you. Amen. So this morning, before I continue, even as part of our outreach, I'd like to uh, make a quick announcement. I don't know if the ushers are ready. We're going to start a third service, an evening service, in September. Woo! <laughs> We're starting a third service in September. And the reason why is we want to create a context where we can begin to cause more of us to rise up. Amen? And that service is going to be specifically targeted at unchurched, unreached people. Amen? And we don't expect you to move from this service to the evening service. But we do want to see if there's anybody that feels specifically that they want to commit to the evening service. 
And that means that you're going to be coming and every time you come to the evening service, you will bring an unsaved friend along. Amen. So that's what we're canvassing throughout the different services uh, this morning at the 10 o'clock as well. So we just want to make sure that we give you an opportunity. So if that's you, please raise your hands. The, usher will, the ushers will give you a piece of paper just to give us your information so that we can get that together as we plan for our third service. So just raise your hand if that's you, Malcolm. Is there anybody else? There's another hand over there, Blanche. Is there anybody else? Okay, yeah. Great. So, for me personally, I'm, I'm an action type of person. Action. <laughs> Talk is cheap. Let's do it. Amen? And I believe if, you, if you're a part of this church, you're going to become an active disciple of Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor, you are going to become an active <laughs> All this sitting around in church is going to end. Amen? It is really critical that we move the body of Christ into action. The sleeping giant has to rise. You know, Jesus is coming back and we've got work to do. Amen? It is really exciting what God is doing in our midst. We were sitting together with the area leaders yesterday, the ones that oversee the different connect groups throughout the city. And we were just discussing about the importance of, of really moving people into an understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen? A disciple of Jesus Christ is not just someone who professes to follow Christ. They actually follow Christ. Amen? And this is exciting. And this morning we, we're going to share. Uh, Jacques was starting to touch into my message. And uh, that's all right, brother. <laughs> and it is really important that we realize that we are busy with the most important work in the universe. We are busy with the most important work in the universe. I don't know what kind of work you do during the week, but during the day. I work at a bank. At night, I am working the kingdom. During the day at the bank, I'm working the kingdom undercover as well. <laughs> Amen? But we are busy with the most important work. And I tell you, every man must meet his death. And the word of God says that it is appointed for man to die once and then to face the judgment. And Jesus Christ has laid down his life so that on the day of judgment, men may rejoice. And yet there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus Christ has paid the price. There is no reason why anyone should perish. The word of God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You might be sitting here in a congregation of believers, and you are happy because you've got some sense of comfort that when you die, when Jesus comes back, you will be among those who will be marching in with the saints. Amen? You, you remember that song? Oh, when the saints... <laughs> and you are marching in with the saints. But there will be a contingent of people for whom darkness will lie before them. And this is not 
to threaten people. How many of you, when you sit in front of the doctor, and the doctor is telling you, you need to stop smoking, you need to stop this, you need to stop this. How many of you are saying, doctor, stop threatening me? <laughs> stop threatening me with all the consequences of my actions. We are not threatening you. We are telling you the truth, my brother. Amen? Some of you, some of you, you're afraid to tell your neighbors and your friends about this reality. What kind of love is that? I remember watching a, a dramatized analogy about two friends that went hiking. And they were hiking almost on a cliff edge. And they were making their fire and putting, preparing as the evening was coming in. And on the far side, they saw a blind man coming in. And he was busy trying to, to find his way and motioning his way. And he was on his way to the cliff. And these two guys started debating. The one was saying, hey, we have to tell the guy. Look, he's on his way to the edge. And the other one was like, no, man. Do you know how unloving and interfering that would be? The guy is on his walk. Why would you want to change his emotions? He's enjoying the birds. He's enjoying the wind in his hair. He's enjoying his walk. Why would you want to now come and, and disturb him with your truth? No, we have to tell the brother. No, come on. And this is a tension that exists in the body of Christ. Some of us are trying to say, we have to go. We have to tell people. And some of you, you have this, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a false sense of immortality. Tell your neighbor, false sense of immortality. You think that tomorrow, <laughs> you will wake up as if tomorrow is tomorrow. Who told you? Jesus told a parable about a rich man, a rich man that had so much wealth. And when he was done accumulating his wealth, he said, what will I do with all of this? I will build bigger barns. I will store up my possessions. And then I will say to my soul, my soul, <laughs> enjoy. Huh? And the Lord said that night, his soul was required of him. Do you know a brother? Do you know a friend? Do you know a cousin? Do you know your, your boss at work? The wealthy one? And just because you are poor, it doesn't mean you are automatically going to heaven. This must be said in Africa. <laughs> There's this idea that poverty is holy. Just because you are poor doesn't mean automatically heaven is for the poor. No. There is one name by which men must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. It says, how will they believe on, on him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless they are sent? As it is written, beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those bringing good news. Some of you, you are too important for your own good. You are so important that you cannot mention Jesus. It, you don't want to be associated with the rabbi from Jerusalem. You are too important. Your social profile doesn't include Christianity in public. When we begin to, 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 to uh, Caroline, when we begin to, to, to film our, our services, né? to put on Facebook and all of that, some of us will be like this. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah? You are too important. Too important to be associated with the people of God. And as Jacques was sharing this morning, 
there is a privilege in sharing in the sufferings of Christ. The disciples, when they were beaten, when they were beaten, they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to partake in the sufferings of Christ. Give us there the first slide. We're going through the book of Acts. We've been in, in the series called In Act. Right? Tell your neighbor, action. The book of Acts. Not the book of thoughts. <laughs> Amen? The church is supposed to be active. And here in chapter 10, it runs through, there is a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier, who is a, a devout man. He, he loves to pray, and he, he loves to give to the poor. And what happened is, he saw a vision where an angel came to him, and the angel said to him, Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have become a memorial before God, and I was sent to you so that you may receive salvation. Call for a man called Peter. Call for a man called Peter. He is in a town called Joppa, at the house of the tanner. Call for him because when he comes, he will share with you words by which you must be saved. Why didn't the angel just start, you know, if you believe in Jesus? <laughs> Put your trust in Jesus. You'll be forgiven of all your sins. He'll give you eternal life. Why didn't the angels share that? Angels cannot share the gospel. Tell your neighbor, angels cannot share the gospel. Why? Because they have not experienced it. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be a witness. A witness has to have witnessed what they are witnessing about. Amen? That is why you are the perfect witness. Tell your neighbor, share a testimony. Amen? If you are standing in court, you want the right guy, or if you are guilty, you don't want the right guy yeah, to be on the witness stand. Right? If you are guilty, you don't want the right witness there. If you are innocent, you want that witness to say exactly what happened. Amen? So what happens? So Peter gets called. In the process, as the men arrive at his house, he's having a vision about a blanket coming down with all sorts of unclean animals on. And God is saying, Peter, take, kill, eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I've never put unclean food in my mouth. And the Lord said, don't call unclean what I have made clean. He was preparing him to go from being a Jew into the house of a Gentile, which was against the, the Jewish principle. And so Peter then moves... And he comes to Cornelius' house, and at Cornelius' house, Cornelius has called the whole family together. The whole family. I've seen an angel, Brother Mark. <laughs> you have to come to, to the Sunday service. I've seen an angel. And the whole, the whole family is together, and Peter walks in. He walks in, and then he asks, what is happening here? Why did you call for me? He said, I saw an angel, and the angel said to me, call for Peter, and he will tell you words by which you must be saved. You must come and tell us these words. And Peter comes in, and he begins to share about how Jesus was crucified. Jesus was crucified. The Son of God was crucified. And he, this is the big point, he was risen from the dead, and we saw him. We saw him. He is alive today. Tell your neighbor, I pray to a living Jesus. 
Jesus is alive today. This is not a story in some book. It is a historical fact proven by more than 500 witnesses. Amen? So Jesus is alive. And through him is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And as Peter was preaching this, the Holy Spirit began to fall on the people. And they started speaking in tongues and they started praising God. These are people that are not circumcised according to the Jewish rituals. They are supposed to be the rejected people of God. Only the Jewish people are the chosen people of God. But this showed that the gospel is for every single person. Amen? It says here in verse 34, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand. This is after he perceived that the Holy Spirit is falling on these Gentiles whom I was hesitating to come and visit in their home. He said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality or favoritism. Okay? But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. For as the word, hmm, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, of peace through Jesus Christ, and he is Lord of all. So the gospel is for everybody. The gospel is for everybody. Even that other person you don't like. No, I will not share the gospel with them. They can go to the other side. <laughs> Amen? No, as a believer, the gospel is to, to be made available to everyone. Ask your neighbor, who's going to take it to them? Now, Jesus commanded us to preach. And this is Acts chapter 10, as, as Peter continues to share in the house of Cornelius. He says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Ask your neighbor, what, what will you do if Jesus comes tonight? Al Gore, Al Gore, one of the, the former, um, former politicians in the USA, he used to have this, this campaign going around, you know, about, about global warming and stuff. He called it an inconvenient truth. <laughs> now tell your neighbor, <laughs> what if Jesus comes tonight? It will be an inconvenient truth. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Some of us, we've been harboring so much pride. We are too proud to obey Jesus. We are too proud to feel joyful about the salvation that we have in Christ. We are too proud about whatever Christ has done for us. We despise our salvation. We think that it's inconvenient to be a Christian. Really. It says he commanded us to preach to the people. And testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ receives the forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. Not all your petitions to the ancestors. 
Not all your efforts through the witchcraft. Not all your efforts through all sorts of goodness, religions that you are trying to attain. But through this man, Jesus Christ, is declared to you the forgiveness of sins from all things from which you could not be forgiven in any other way. It is, it is so important for us in Africa. I mean, we have such a great culture of honoring our parents and honoring our... But the honoring your parents shouldn't turn into ancestral worship. Because it's not a real ancestor, Mark. It's not a real ancestor. Behind the curtain is something else. And Jesus commanded us to be salt. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its state, how shall, it, shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the salt of the earth. Some of us have this idea that being a Christian, the most important thing of being a Christian is to attend Sunday service. Look at your neighbor. Don't say anything. <laughs> I've done my duty. Huh? They think that that is, that is the height of the Christian walk. No. No, 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 no. You are the salt of the earth. So, it disinfects, it's a preservative, and it's a seasoning. Right? You're a purifier. Whenever you are there, people are like, oh, I can't swear, sister so-and-so is here again. <laughs> Amen? You, you, have to, you, have, you have to be different than those who are not saved in your circles. If the persecutors come in your group and they come like this, uh, they send us to find Christians, but there's no Christians here. I, I, can't, I can't find them in this office. Even the unsaved guys, when they ask him, who are the Christians here? I, I'm not so sure. Maybe, uh-uh. There are no Christians here. <laughs> right? They will not even be able to say, is that one, that one that is always praying, that one that is always trying to do the right thing, that one that is always living for God. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in the secret service of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I'm in that part. I'm in the CIA of the army of the Lord. <laughs> I'm a spy of the Lord. I'm just like <laughs> planting spiritual bombs. <laughs> it says you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Huh? There's a, even from a young age, the children's church, I don't know, Caroline, if you guys still do this song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm gonna... Do you guys still do that? Is it a bit old? But the truth stands. Now you put a rave beat. You gotta let it shine on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, till the devil gets annoyed. Till the devil gets annoyed. Amen? Why? We must. People are dying because you are not living out your Christian walk. Your family, your community, those that we can't reach, your cousins, your friends, they are going to hell because you are hiding the light. It is a reality. 
and they think that they are fine because you didn't say anything yet. When they did something wrong, they look at you and you are like, <laughs> approval. <laughs> they continue. You have to be able to be that person in your family that when you are there, they know the light of Jesus is shining. The witness of God is in the house. The role of the Holy Spirit in our witness. And this is what, what Jacques was saying. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Some of us have this idea that when the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is my life, in my life is tongues. And that's where it ends. As much as I pray in tongues a lot. Amen? Tongues is fundamental. It is important. Right? But that's not all that the Holy Spirit comes to do in your life. Some of you have this idea that the Holy Spirit's role is to make you feel guilty when you do something wrong. Ah, the Holy Spirit, is he working in your life? Amen, surely, truly, he's <laughs> working in my life. Hmm? Especially if you are married. <laughs> it is so critical that you understand that the Holy Spirit is a helper. The Bible says that he is the paraclete. He is the one who comes alongside to prop you up. Do you understand? He's the coach that whispers in your ear and says, you're doing good, bro. You're doing good. This other side, watch out for this, watch out. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that defends you, the advocate. He's the one that speaks for you. He's the one that when you are weak and you don't know what to pray for, he props you up and holds you up in your weaknesses. And we pray together, we stand together. Mark, are you cool? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't prepare him for this. Huh? <laughs> right? And Mark, just say, just say, no one is helping me. No one is helping me. There are so many Christians that say that, and the Holy Spirit is apparently in their lives. He is the helper. Right? And God puts an assignment before you that you were born for, and you say, Lord, how will I do it? I will help you. I will help you. Yeah, I know you will help me. I mean, what else? <laughs> Thank you, Mark. What, what, what else? Can you... Can you, <laughs> you know why we are behaving like this? Because we are ignorant of what Christ has made available through the Holy Spirit. It says we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is from God, so that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. There's so much that God has made available to your life that you don't even know of. How many of you know that if someone sends you an e-wallet eh, of 500 Namibian dollars, eh, and you need food to eat that day, but he doesn't send the SMS to you, because the previous day you already checked the account, there was nothing. You will starve that day with money in the account. Because you are not aware of what was given to you. 
And then you complain to God. Oh God, you will need to provide for me. You have not made available. You have... <laughs> and your complaints are rising out of your ignorance. Right? Tell your neighbor, my people perish. Because they don't know any better. Yeah? And so... You're in church this morning. We're revealing to you the role of the Holy Spirit concerning your mission in Christ. The Bible says about Peter, the apostle, that before the Holy Spirit came upon that man, that guy was a coward. He talked a lot. He talked a lot. But when push came to shove, he said to Jesus, Lord, if all this, all this, all this, if they all desert you, I will not desert you. I will die for you. I will be there for you. And then when one slave girl asked him, a young girl from youth, are you not one of Jesus' disciples? Hey, no! I don't know that guy. <laughs> no, you are. You actually, you know these young girls. No, actually you are. I recognize you from your profile picture. <laughs> you are in the WhatsApp group. <laughs> no, I'm not. Until Peter started swearing. To, to show now, I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of the sinners. <laughs> and then even the chickens, even the chickens said, it's him! <laughs> it's him! And Peter, who denied Jesus on the day of Pentecost, he stood in front of everyone and said, you crucified him. You crucified him, and God has made him Lord and Christ, and by him all must be saved. And 3,000 people, he was in public during the morning hours, not at night undercover. So if you believe in Jesus, not like that, in front of him, men of Israel and everyone visiting this nation, our boldness. This is what the Holy Spirit will do in your life. I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was in grade 11. My personality, if you, if you ask my sisters, I hope they'll remember, it was very timid, very timid, very shy, very reserved, very afraid. Maybe they bullied me, my sisters. <laughs> anyway, so very timid, very shy. But when the Holy Spirit came upon my life, I became a leader. I started preaching to students and to teachers. Amen? I began to come out because there's something God has deposited in you. The Holy Spirit is mining and bringing it forth. Yeah? I had to be taught that you got to give the Holy Spirit free reign. It's his house now. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's his house now. Let, the, let him switch on the lights. Don't tell him, no, don't switch that room. Uh, leave that room dark. That room also just, just put the, 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 the dimmer, dimmer switch. <laughs> it's a bit strong. No, let the light of, of God begin to shine in you. Amen? And then people, some will love you. Some will hate you. You will not be here in the lukewarm. You know, everyone sort of likes you. Amen? It's either there's a revival or there's a revolution. A rock concert, amen? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Has the Holy Spirit come upon you? This is, oh, wow. This is a tremendous privilege. You remember the story of Samson? 
The Bible says that Samson, when he would shake himself up or stir himself up, and some of you have this idea né, that Samson was like uh, the rock. You know the rock from, from, from the movies? Some of our older people don't know the rock. He's a bodybuilder. Arnold, eh? Some of us have this idea that Samson was a, a, a bodybuilder or a crossfit guy. Yeah? But Samson, who, who can I use as an example? Huh? I can't use. Let me use me. <laughs> yeah, we have to counsel someone after this one. Look at me. Eh? There's nothing in your mind that will think that I can destroy a large army or pick up the gates of the city and dispossess them or kill a lion, right? It says when the Spirit of God would come on Samson, he would do these amazing things. And those prophets in the Old Testament had the Spirit of God visiting them, come upon them temporarily, temporarily like this. Doing mighty, mighty, mighty things. And when they make mistakes, <laughs> Have a seat. Okay. The next guy, let's see if we can. Hmm. Kill Goliath. Uh -uh, don't put on. <laughs> Kill Goliath. Yeah? Do all sorts of amazing things. And then he has to pray in Psalm 51. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Yeah? This is David after he killed his friend and took his wife. Yeah? And it is so important that you realize in the New Testament, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes and resides. Elder Godfrey, come. Come. It would be like the Holy Spirit being this and Elder Godfrey not putting it on but consuming it. Can you see that picture? <laughs> Can you see that picture? I will not ask you to do it. I only have two of these. <laughs> Thank you. Eh? And the Holy Spirit... Is a Holy Spirit. The only reason why He is happy to dwell in you is because you have been made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, He will leave you. But He said, He promises. I said to them, I will never leave them, nor forsake them. And He made an oath. He swore by Him, by His own name, because there's no other, other higher name. Even God says, I swear mm, by God. <laughs> he swore by Himself. By Himself. He swore by himself to say, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And Jesus, when he was commissioning the disciples and saying, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you even until the end of the age. This was his promise. There is no way you must feel insecure. You have the Spirit of God with you, child of God. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter whether it's at the office or at home or at the hospital or wherever, at the mine, wherever you may find yourself. The Holy Spirit will not leave you. He will accompany you. If I make my bed in hell, He will be with me there. This is the deposit that we've received because of what Christ has done for us. Now Christ in you is the hope of glory. It doesn't matter what kind of crisis you face. You need to have a mindset that I've got somebody with me. Amen. The disciples were in their boat having a storm and Jesus was sleeping. And the storm was threatening their lives. They said to him, Master, the tempest is raging. Don't you care that we perish? The winds and the waves, they obey your voice. And Jesus stood up and said, where is your faith? 
In who? <laughs> In me. I am with you here. Peace be still. Come on, child of God. There needs to be a change this year. You've got to move from that place where, we, where you were. Of immaturity and complaining Christianity. Of ways just like, Lord, give me, give me, give me, and Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me, and give me. Give me more, forgive me more. More forgive me, give. You've got to move out of that place into a place of maturity where you are managing the things that God has blessed you. Amen? You need to rise up. Amen? There is a fire that needs to light up in your life. God has not called you to be mediocre. He's called you to be the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. Not to be busy with your sin management process from the day you got born again till the day you die. Put those things behind you. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I behaved like a child. I walked like a child. But when I, when I became a man, I, I left those childish things behind me. You need to come to a place where you realize we are handling the holiest things of the kingdom. Don't let anyone make you feel ashamed of the gospel. The apostle Paul said in Romans 1 verse 17 and 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. In the gospel is revealed a rightness, a righteousness, a justification from God, which is by faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And this morning faith is rising in our midst. Yeah? As you are hearing the word of God, it is doing surgery on your spirit. Yeah? Those, those evil and, and, and proud attitudes you used to hold begin to shift. That self-pity attitude that you used to have begins to shift. That small-minded po poverty mentality that you used to have begins to shift. That kind of gossip attitude that you harbor as your identity begins to shift. Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It begins to do surgery like a scalpel. Amen? And this is something that we have to spur one another on every day. Every day, as we see the day of Jesus Christ approaching, that every moment we are rising stronger and stronger because the path of the righteous is like the rising of the sun. It gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen. <laughs> I'm so stirred up this morning. <laughs> okay. I just want to give you the practical ones and then we'll go home. Be intentional. Use salt. If you're part of this church, you, sh you should know salt. Start a conversation. Ask questions. Listen intently and tell your testimony. Okay? Then invite people. Invite them. Don't come to church alone. Even if your friend says, I stop, stop inviting me. Don't stop. <laughs> Don't stop. Be like that uh, boyfriend that pursues the lady. Eh? Pursues her. Eh? Pursue that brother or sister until you see them saying yes to Jesus. Share the gospel. Join a God test outreach. We're always giving you opportunities so that you can grow in these things. Give us the next one. Get a passport. Huh? How many of you? Namibians should have passports, eh? at least to go to Cape Town or something. <laughs> yeah? Get a passport, but a passport to go on mission. 
Eh? Then take leave, 10 days leave. Eh? Not to stay at home and binge watch on, on Netflix, but to go and, and binge on the gospel. Amen? And we're going to create, create environments where we can do more of that. Amen? This is a quotation. It says, I care not where I go, how I live, or what I endure, so that I may save souls. When I sleep, I dream of them. When I wake, they are the first in my thoughts. William Carey. So important that we realize that Jesus loves sinners. He loves them. Don't have an attitude against sinners. Love them. Pray for them. Be concerned about them. Amen? And do what you can to begin to bring them to Christ. Amen? Let us stand. If you are here this morning, I don't want to close the service without giving people an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. You might be here this morning, you've been in church many times, but you have never given your heart to Christ. You are not born again. Or you might be here this morning and you are far from Christ. You have backslidden and your relationship with God is not where it should be. I want to pray with you this morning if you will allow me. And, and really just give you an opportunity to come to Christ. Amen. So if that's you, you, believe in, you want to believe in Jesus. You want to put your trust not only as, as, a, as something you say, but you want your life to be committed to Christ this morning. I want to give you an opportunity. So if that's you, just raise your hand if you're here this morning. Or if you want to recommit your life to Christ, raise your hand. We're going to pray with you this morning. Is there anybody like that this morning? So we're going to close the service now because we've got the next service starting in 20 minutes. But please come and see us if that's you. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, you should come and make sure. Amen. And I want to encourage you, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you will meet one of our Connect leaders, that you will join in the discipleship process where you will get to the place where you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need this in your life. Amen. Okay, so Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your passion and your fire in our hearts, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for salvation. We thank you, Lord, for eternal life, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that this morning a change is taking place in our hearts, Lord God, in our minds, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We pray this morning for the persecuted church, Lord God. We, we, we think of them, Lord God. And we, we, we look into our hearts and we say, Lord, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to, to, to be able to help those who are being persecuted, Lord God. Guide us, lead us, Lord God, as you are doing this morning, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Lift up your hands. May the Lord bless you. Wherever you may go, may you prosper. Whatever your hand touches, may it prosper. May the Lord preserve your life from diseases and attacks in the name of Jesus. May he send his angel to guard your home and your family. May your children grow up with so much favor and grace. And may the Lord prosper you and provide for all your needs. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.